Welcome to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. This podcast delivers insights on medical device packaging from regulatory affairs, process management, as well as discussions on the latest in sterile device packaging technologies. Each episode, our host, Charlie Webb, speaks with global experts to bring the most relevant information to our esteemed listeners. As sterile packaging compliance becomes increasingly more challenging, it is vital to avoid information gaps that could risk your medical device packaging program. Avoid package failure risks and build your skill set from your colleagues' experience and from insights from sterile device packaging subject matter experts. You're listening to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, Spod Radio. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Charlie Webb, and welcome to part two of a discussion that I had with Pat Cote, a medical device veteran innovator, about the innovation pathway for medical devices and packaging. So if you didn't hear the first part of this, I urge you to go through the podcast playlist, listen to the first one, and come back and join us here. If you're back for the second time around, let's go ahead and pick the conversation up right where we were. I talked about in my last podcast about uh, the homeostatic impulse. So it's the human's desire to anchor themselves. And people will make a decision. I mean, we see this that really happens at the hospital level where if they've always used a number seven part that, you know, does X job, you really have to tell much more of a story in order for them to move off that part. Again, that homeostatic impulse has a really strong gravitational pull. So a lot of innovators, I think, lose the game where they're trying to one-up the competition with the next, you know, bell or whistle. And I talk about this endlessly, but at trade shows, I go every year and look what machine manufacturers on some packaging machines. I'm like, well, let's see what crazy thing they've added this year. The value to the customer was marginal. The cost to add that feature increased ultimate cost to the device. But you still have a, as a competitor to companies like this, it's so hard to resist the temptation to do what my brother calls following the loser, to follow the Joneses, do what they're doing. It's like, gosh, what do I do? They've got another bullet point on their sell sheet. And this is true with surgical devices. Bullet points add up. And so I have to resist the temptation to innovate for innovation's sake. I have to stop, take pause and say, hey, is this really value? And even here, we have a simple metric to where we add value and we look at all of the stakeholders. So how is every stakeholder being affected? How is this increasing of value to them? And take pause and resist the temptation, turn our backs and walk away because our competitor has the latest, you know, cool little feature that's fun to show at the trade show. But at the delivery side of that device, it has very little value. Well, let me, let me go back to the training issue and, and putting things in the customer's perspective. I'll give you an example. So our current company right now, it's called EM Device Lab. We've got a new product for treating abscesses. And abscesses are typically treated with an incision and you just open up and, and drain the pus out, out of the abscess. And what we've done is we've developed a new product, which is a, has a new technique called a loop technique, where we're putting a loop of material within that abscess and making two smaller incisions in place of one large incision. But the technique that we're using is a suture technique. So you're just, you, we built a needle with a, with a blade on the back of it and you're pulling tubing through this thing. So the adoption of the product, because every doctor knows how to throw a suture. Yeah. So the technique of the product being a suture product makes it 
again, as we said, that there's that connective tissue. Mm -hmm. There's that, there's that, hey, I understand this concept. This is easy to implement. The friction of adopting a new product that doesn't exist uh, at this point, but the friction is much less because you're giving them something familiar. Use a suture technique, bang. That's the connective tissue. All about anchoring the product. And that's why this, you know, nostalgic dialogue has become very popular uh, among new technologists. And I know, you know, we've had the, the same issue where we have a machine that is just, I mean, absolutely incredible. Right now we're working on a device that uh, it's a packaging machine. And if your machine goes out of uh, tolerance and risks a potential packaging recall because you've lost the stereo connection on your device, then you get a um, text message at two o'clock in the morning, presumably, when your clean room has an issue. So these are ways to connect. But you know what we're trying to do is to do what McDonald's called dummying down when they put pictures of the food on the keyboard of the cash register instead of actual numbers. Somebody orders a hamburger, you push the hamburger button. And so sometimes, I'm not suggesting that we need to dummy things down to people who are stupid, <laughs> but let's face it, we're, we're in the um, you know poke-yoke game. We're trying to do everything that we can to try to thwart mistakes. It's important, life and death kind of stuff. So it's important that we develop systems that work to that end. So you know, I think that we need to look closely at our development to make sure that it's it's valuable, that it meets the voice of the customer, the user, uh, and ultimately the patient. I, I absolutely agree. That's where we need to go. No doubt, Charlie. Because of your audience, one thing I'd like to address is kind of where packaging sits within a startup. Because I've gone through this with, with a couple different startups And it's really interesting because when you're developing a product, typically what you're thinking is, I've got a device that needs to have certain attributes to really get to the needs of of that particular customer. It's It's the patient, it's the doctor, it's the device. And how am I developing that device? And the packaging is part of that, but it's not the most critical piece because you can have the greatest packaging and, and design your, your packaging around a device that doesn't hit the mark, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it, it's kind of like you have, to, you have to think about the packaging, but at the same time, your objective is to validate the device first. So there's primary endpoints on your, on your product development and, and secondary endpoints. And even though as a startup, you know that you've got packaging as being an important piece of that, it's not the most important piece on day one, day two, day 20, day day 90. It really depends on where you're coming in because even though you may have an idea what your product is going to be, you don't quite know until you get through all of the development. And at that point, now I got to think about packaging Mm. because if I would have thought about packaging before, I don't know what materials were used. I don't know what method, sterilization method. I don't know what my design and my product looks like. I don't know the needs of the packaging. So it's kind of like as a startup, you're going through the process of developing the hardcore product first, and then you've got the packaging that's kind of at the end. Mm -hmm. And even experienced people who've developed products know that the packaging piece is coming but at at what point do you bring it? And I imagine that's got to be frustrating mm. for 
you and for people on the packaging side. Oh, man. What's, what's your experience like? Well, you know, it's, it's always they're doing a sort of post-mortem on, on their program with looking back and they're like, you know, they went through the whole 510K process that they could, gosh, you know, all of the clinical stuff to get their device. So they think that, you know, by the time they get to that end, packaging is putting it in a pouch or a tray and off to the races. And, you know, I both know that that's not the way it is. In fact, under the ISO 11607, now the 2019 iteration, the value is that the device and the containment system, now called a sterile barrier system, are the same. So the device and the containment system are are the same. You have to look at them both with that sort of level of seriousness. And I think, you know, I have so many conversations with engineers that were manufacturing engineers. They came into a medical device company. They developed the device. They've also now, even though they don't have packaging experience, they are tasked with going through the validation process for a medical device. And they are absolutely shocked by how much is, I mean, sometimes it's six months to get the packaging validation done. Their rollout was two weeks. So I think it's it's so important, as, as you mentioned, that we, when we're in that new product device mode, we need to understand and start bringing in packaging. It's so heartwarming for me when I speak to a, a company that's starting a new device. And they're saying, hey, we want to bring you in early on. We actually want to get the device, the machine in-house so we can in concert with our development of the device, we're going to be working on the packaging validation. And so by the time that device gets done, it's through clinical trials, it's ready to roll. Now the packaging is ready to accept that device. Clean room is set up. The device has been there. They've run tons of uh, aging. And so they're ready to roll. And that really has to be a companion duty of developing the device with the packages. You said it. So it's so important that we do that. Also, sometimes on how that device is going to almost work is has to do with the packaging. I talk a lot on the show about unpackaging videos on YouTube and how I'm addicted to watching these things. I'm a camera guy, so I just recently watched him open up a Canon R5 camera and watch the box open up in the under that Apple sort of value of how you should pull a little tab and it deploys this beautiful little cell sheet and it closes. And then the second layer comes up just this beautiful user experience that I think is so fabulous on a consumer product. You know, why not on a medical device? And at the very least on how this is going to be circulated into the surgical theater, how it's moved around in order to preserve sterility. A lot of these things fall on the science side, and a lot of them are just that practical, how is this device going to open, has to happen at the same time as you say. I agree with what you're saying in that that the elegance of a packaging solution can be a very important thing when you're dealing with the image, but more importantly, with the practical application of your product. You know, Number one thing it has to, has to maintain ter- uh, maintain sterility. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. a, that's the number one thing, <laughs> and then it has to be easy to open. It needs to, and and the the look and feel of it goes into there too. Again, kind of going back to a point I was making earlier. When does that happen? Uh, who's doing it? And what value is it to them? Is it like what they what they have with other devices? Going back to the box analogy. Great, you can have the greatest unboxing of it, but if it's if the unboxing is done by a stocking person who's putting it into bins somewhere else, does that really make any mm-hmm. difference to That's you? Good point. So you have to understand 
kind of going back to what we started to talk about earlier, it's, you know, understanding how your product is used throughout the time it's ordered to the time it's put away. Who's doing that? So is your product one that gets open in the OR and everybody sees it? Or is your product one, as I said, that gets, gets opened by a stocking person and goes into a bin? It's more important that it, it looks good in the bin than mm-hmm. it is you know, having a, a great packaging system. So where are you spending your resource and how are you designing your product to have maximum benefit to the people that matter? There are people that don't matter. Everyone matters, but some matter more than others mm-hmm. in the buying decision and in the decision about uh, the image of your company. That's you know, kind of one of the things that I really keep an eye on is what's the flow of your product through and where do you need to make maximum impact for mm-hmm. those things? Yeah. Kind of going back to, to your comment too on when you get packaging involved. It's a tricky question, and it's not a question that's the same for every product, because some products, you don't know what the design is, therefore, you don't know what, what kind of packaging you're going to use. Is this a thermoform tray? Is this a pouch? You know, what, what is it? Because you don't have the design of your product done yet, so you don't know what the best system is going to be to do that. You know that, you know that you've got something out there that says, Packaging is a big deal. And you're right. I mean, the, the design of the packaging, the testing of the packaging, and we haven't even talked about sterilization validation. That's another piece that's expensive out there too. So all of these things are decisions that startups need to make or any company needs to make. And when do I bring packaging in for this particular product? You need to start with the end in mind, but there are certain points with certain products where it makes sense to bring them in. It's not when you're doing project, you know, initial voice of the customer stuff, but at some point in time as you're developing this, it makes sense. Yeah. There's this time where you'll have, depending on what sterilant you're going to use and the bulkiness of the product, you can at least sort of bear down on sort of your first metrics of what that packaging is going to look like. I mean, I think at first you can probably, unless it's very unique and very much in the early stages of design, you pretty much know what the form factor of the device is going to be. And that's going to lead you to the uh, delivery system uh, typically, but you're right. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to get in too early. And, and also, you know, on the more practical side on those early days, we're all very busy. I was involved in a medical device, uh, company with uh, surgical microsurgical devices and we had a lot to do and so um you know we we don't want to cloud the important device development with with too many peripherals but we do need to understand its value and you know less talked about but now it used to be where sustainability was kind of a, a cool thing you could put on the bottom of your website with a green leaf saying that you know you're you're part of the solution but now as we move away from that sort of lip service sort of badging piece of sustainability, which is my pet peeve. You can tell by the way I'm telling you this, but actually the hard, you know, things that really matter. So how can we do, uh, how can we get our device to the point of care, to the patient with the least amount of material? And and that's a challenge. We don't want to, we're walking on kind of a thin knife edge there. Sometimes we want to pull out a lot of material, but that material could be problematic on the delivery side. So we're talking much, much more about the waste stream 
through clinics and hospitals. And as I say before, it was a it was something that we should look at as responsible companies, but now it's becoming more of a requirement. We're talking now about waste taxes, where if we're creating more waste, where our company can be taxed for the, the lack of, of care when it comes to developing that packaging system. Now, I believe, you know, as we look, I mean, I, I just went through a fast food. I don't normally do fast food restaurants. Let me give you that disclaimer. Going through one the other day, my 14-year-old wanted a burger. So we stopped, almost filled my entire car with waste. I mean, I'm just blown away by the layers and layers of packaging to deliver that product. So I think hospitals really aren't getting a credit. I think they do a very good job. We also have other challenges when it comes to sustainability. We have biohazard concerns that we need to talk about. So I think we're doing a, a good job as an industry, but if you haven't jumped on to the sustainability value, when you're developing that package, it's going to be a requirement moving forward. Well, you mentioned requirement. I want to kind of go a little bit further on that because we're really talking about customer requirements. So let's go to the packaging uh, of, of your fast food thing. What are the customer requirements there? Well, the integrity of the product needs to be there. When you put that in and it's a takeout product and you put that on your lap in the car to pay the price, it, it shouldn't leak. You shouldn't have grease stains on on uh, so that's that's a customer requirement. It needs to stay hot for a period of time. That's a customer requirement. So when you start looking at the requirements, it should lead to what type of packaging you've got. Mm-hmm. So I don't know this for a fact. Obviously, there's a speculation on on the fast food side of things, but we've got the same things on on the medical device side of things. So when when your requirement is it needs to maintain sterility. If there's a sharp in there, it, it certainly needs to be well protected mm-hmm. and cannot poke through. So it's, it's a sterility issue. It needs to be able to be shipped from one location to another. There's another another requirement there. It needs to have needs to be easy to open. It needs to needs to stay intact for for a period of time. You know, all of these requirements start adding up. And if you just say we need to reduce the number of uh, of throwaway items, or we Tell me how that fits into the requirement, because if the requirement is X and you want to do something that's Y and those two things don't equal up, Mm -hmm. you don't have a valid packaging system. Right. So it comes back to customer requirements and really understanding what those are in order for you to make any changes to this system. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. You've got priorities and then you've got nice to haves. And if nice to have starts to impinge on the priorities, Mm. that's not right. No, you're right. And maybe we're asking the wrong question again. So we do need a certain volume of packaging in order to safely get our device sterile to the point of care. So I think the discussion more is innovation through different materials. In the case of the fast food restaurant, a less of a a thicker pouch that maybe has a spray laminate of some sort that uh, doesn't allow it to to leak. Or this is what I've always said even about the uh, electric car phenomenon right now. I uncomfortably had this discussion with Adam Peake on his (laughs) podcast, but you know I believe that really do we need electric cars or do we need less movement? You know, we've seen through COVID 
we've sort of decentralized the workplace and our air cleared up in Los Angeles. So sometimes maybe we're asking the wrong question. Do we need to, maybe we don't need to move as much. Maybe that's a solution. In the case of sustainability, I'm with you. I don't believe that we need to look at how much less stuff can we fill a trash can with. The question may be, you know, what are we making? Uh, Havo in, in Germany is a, uh, working with these overwraps in the uh, sterile barrier department that's, I believe, made out of like a corn, a renewable, quickly renewable material that, you know, has a lot of sustainability and it's easy to process and it also meets the goal of creating that barrier. But you're absolutely right. Job one is we have to protect that device for its application. But there may be more creative ways to do that kind of circling back on this and what we started off the discussion on is, is voice as a customer and identifying the needs and putting the customer needs down. And that's the opportunity to innovate is once you get that voice of customer and you've got those customer needs, whether they're a product, whether the packaging, whether, you know, product and packaging, whatever those things are, once you have those needs established, now you can start to innovate and challenge each one of those statements, each one of those customer needs. That is a challenge opportunity to say, why? I need to have this. Why? I need to do this. Why? Each one of those things is an opportunity to understand further why it's needed and what other alternatives that are out there. It's that pursuit that's going to lead us into innovation. But it all starts with what are the what are the needs? Mm-hmm. What are the true customer needs and why do they exist? As you mentioned, you know, we have to make sure that we're meeting requirements and, and sometime that why question turns out you win here, but you lose here. So you have to do a pretty granular balance sheet analysis to be able to look to see, you know, if we're gaining here, what are we losing on the other side? So to aggregate all of the stakeholders that are part of this whole distribution of a medical device, it becomes quite complicated. And we, I guess my pet peeve on the whole sustainability thing is is that uh, they've just sort of reduced it down to less, let's make less stuff and everything's going to be fine. And I I think it's a much more complicated discussion and problem that, um, I'm sure great innovators will come up with some better solutions. I've considered a few myself that uh, I may pursue, but I, I think there's a, a better way to get there. But we can no longer, just as innovators of medical device packaging at least, we can no longer move forward without entering in the sustainability story. I think you're right. And we're, we're at the same point with, with sterilization methods too. I mean, ETO is, you know, there's been a war on ETO, but ETO works. And ETO works for different some different products and materials, uh, ETO works better than, uh, than other methods. We've been trying to get rid of ETO for a long time mm-hmm. because there's, you know, there's issues, uh, issues with, uh, with safety of that as well. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be an alternative. And there's got to be an alternative for tremendous amount of medical devices that are using that because that's the best method that exists today to treat those devices. So are we going to say, we're going to stop ETO and we're going to, you know, everyone else has to change all of the materials in their devices to something else that now we're not hitting the user requirements for softness or suppleness or, or bendability or whatever you've got for your device. Are we going to say that everything has to change because we're, we're moving away from one thing? Mm-hmm. There's this balance of what exists today, what works today what the user requirements are and where you're trying to get to tomorrow. Yeah. Most people know I'm a hiker. 
go every day or we're on the trails and here in Santa Barbara County. And, and we're in an area where uh, occasionally we'll have a, a bloom of Lyme disease. So the question by a lot of my hiking buddies, runner buddies is, hey, do we use DEET, which uh, has a, a threat to our health? Or do we get Lyme disease? <laughs> so these are the kind of, you know, balance sheets that we have to, to make out. And this is true with anything with medical device, you know, for everything that we do, there's some shadow response that we have to understand. And we have to aggregate that byproduct of whatever we're doing to make sure that it doesn't undo the good that we're trying to do. And I think there's a risk of that happening in sustainability if we don't keep a close eye on it. So what do you see in the future, Pat? in terms of packaging or what are maybe some of your pains right now in packaging? Any uh, <clears throat> sort of closing thoughts on that? Yeah, In terms of packaging, there are certainly things that we can do better. When I think of packaging, it's kind of the whole, the whole system. The material is that is, if you've got a, a sharps in there and you need a backer card in there, or you, you need to have a, a certain material in there to maintain the, the, the product as it's being shipped, you know, those materials, I think there's evolution of different materials that can do that. The materials on the packaging side, you know, is, does it make it easier to, to do the seal? Does it make it easier for the patient or for the customer to open up? Uh, how does that marry in with the shipping and boxing of the product? I think that there are opportunities for enhancements of, of different products from a material standpoint. And as you said, I'm a, I'm a sustainability guy too, but it's got to match as well. Mm-hmm. So how can, how can we make sure that we're hitting, hitting the, the customer requirements for that? But I think it's overall, it's just a better understanding of when you bring something in, because I look at it not only from a usability standpoint, but when you're a CEO of a company, you look at it from a product development standpoint and from a cost standpoint in bringing that product out. So I think a, a lot more is, is also on when you're engaging the packaging decision, how you engage that with your product development system to be able to come out with the product on time, on budget, without any any large discrepancies. And I think that when you're in a large company, you've got people with a lot of experience, they know that, they can put that into their Gantt charts, but in start in startup world, not understood. And that needs to come out as well. It needs to say, yes, we're going to put packaging in at this point in time. This is approximate cost. If you wait longer, there's a problem because it's going to be you know uh, six months uh, extended out on your timeline that you didn't tell your investors, and you're running out of cash. So that understanding, I think, is uh, is an important thing from the startup community to to do. But I think you know, like like everything, it is understanding the needs, and we probably haven't done a good enough job understanding the true needs of an individual product because from the packaging side you're you're going down and you're you're developing things from from your standpoint on materials on how the process is done but when you marry that with the device i think that there's some opportunities for people to look a little bit further into that and as i said get to where that packaging makes a difference in the customer's mind and start to innovate at that level. You mentioned something about the the investor. I think that's oftentimes, maybe we need to have a metric that's more pronounced about the voice of the investor. 
you know, as a president of <laughs> my own company, Vanderstahl Scientific, I think the money piece is off, often forgot. I mean, if you take a look at the LinkedIn metric, you have both the people who signed the front of the check and people who signed the back of a check, both of them with a very different world optic. So a lot of people, and I'm going to get beat up for saying this, that work for companies, they are more apt to say, well, the money should not be important. We have a, a process of value, a patient care, a process that we can't just weigh on money or we're vacuous, horrible capitalists or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The truth is money does matter. It matters to everybody. It doesn't matter just to the seller, but it also matters to the buyer. So when we're developing whether it's the device or the packaging itself. I mean, we could come up with some amazing packaging systems. But when we're talking about a surgical device that costs maybe $10, but it's important to the process, and the packaging costs $14, we've lost. It'll never happen. But sometimes when you look at the packaging in these lower, you know, sort of commodity base, I guess you might say, type of medical devices, cannula sets and so on, it's very difficult for us to spend the money on that end as we're trying to sell this in a competitive environment. Uh, We have a very cost-sensitive customer base. So it's unfair for the money behind medical device companies um, to just say, the wallet's open, let's spend whatever. It's all about making the process right. Right is great, but it has to make sense. And if it doesn't on a balance sheet, you're out of luck. Unless... Your competitive advantage is packaging. If it all boils down to it, if you've got two Band-Aids and you believe that your competitive advantage, instead of making a different adhesive or a color difference or something else, if you believe that your competitive advantage is, I can make my packaging superior, Mm -hmm. that's value that's created. That's value that you you can go after. So I, I keep coming back to this. Where does the packaging make a difference? with whom, and at what value? That's the key question. It's, it, 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 it's got to hit the user needs. But if you can create value with packaging at the right level, that's where you can make a difference. Right. And not all products lend themselves to that. I mean, we're talking about an injectable. The patient doesn't see the caregiver uses something similar all day long. Those would probably be a hard sell at that point, but in certain devices, certainly procedure trays, where the tray unfolds in this uh, this beautiful way to be able to have ease of use, it's attractive, it hits all of the bullet points, then I think then absolutely packaging should matter. And I, I would love to hear that that actually is the case. And in some cases, it certainly is. And you make a very good point by that. Well, Pat, thanks for hanging out with me today. Any sort of closing thoughts before I let you run away? Just closing thought, each of us is important within this community. Whether you're on the marketing side, sales side, packaging side, we all have a piece. We all have a part to play. We're all important in delivering value to customers and patients. And we need to treat each other that way. We need to be teammates for each other. We need to root each other on. We need to continue to educate each other on what our challenges are and what our opportunities are to work together to bring great devices out to the customers. 
Well, Patrick, thank you so much for having this discussion today. It's been a joy having you on my podcast on these two parts. It was so much to talk about. We had to kind of spread it out a little bit. You know, it's one of the great things as a podcaster, as you know, we have the ability to chat with amazing people, sagacious SMEs that we can gain so much from. And you certainly fall in that category. I've been binge listening to the Mastering Medical Device podcast that you put on. I got to tell you, you do such a great job with that podcast. Absolutely enjoyed it. So thanks so much for hanging out with me today, Pat. Thanks, Charlie. Listen, if you want to reach out to Pat, you can hook up with him over there on LinkedIn to search Patrick Cothey. You can also go over, and I really urge you to listen to this podcast, MasteringMedicalDevice.com. If you want to take a peek at what he's up to right now, you can also go to emdevicelab.com and find out more about Pat. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for another episode of Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, Spot Radio. This is Charlie Webb. Look forward to having you back on the next one. This podcast is made possible by Vanderstahl Scientific. Executive producer, Lisa Wasper. Director of Media Service, Hector Garcia. Audio engineering and editing by Joel and our friends at East Coast Studios. And this is Jonathan Lockwood saying thanks for your support, medical device manufacturers. See you next time on Spot Radio. Spot Radio.